0: Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of Ripstop on the Record. I'm Jay.
1: And I'm Avery.
2: And I'm back, baby. It's Sea Hall in the building. What up? Today we're talking about sewing machines. Best part is,
0: wherever you are as a maker, there will be info for you on this episode. I pretty much guarantee it.
2: What I really want to know is, uh, what are we drinking here? I
0: know you came back for a reason, Carter.
2: Uh, Avery, what are you drinking today?
1: Um, So I'm really excited about this because I've been wanting to try it, but I haven't gotten it yet. Um, it's by Bromari, so they're out of Asheville. <laughs> I can't wait to see your faces when I tell you what this is. It's a root beer beer. <laughs> root beer float sour
2: I would totally drink that right now
1: <laughs> so I'll I'll give you a review in just a second
0: I know, I had a sour two weekends ago that was easily the
2: worst thing I ever had in my life it was a I got you it was a peanut butter you know it was a fluffernutter banana smoothie sour
0: uh, if you know, like that, like the acid taste you get in the back of your throat after you throw
2: up, it was like that, but fermented. <laughs> I drank the whole thing. Just saying. It was terrible. My dad taught me never leave a beer to waste ever. And, uh, that's why I have a serious problem.
0: So Carter and I are drinking two different beers today. Um, I'll introduce one Carter. You'll get the other. Uh, we are drinking trail guide IPA from, from big Ross big boss brewing company in Raleigh and, and he Raleigh. has already had seven of them. Um, trail guide IPA from big boss brewing company out of Raleigh. I got this one because it's a rad looking dude riding a grizzly bear. Only reason I got it.
2: And then we also have a classic Highland brewing Gaelic when it's an old tried and true delicious. All right. So pop these cans,
0: uh, a brief, few brief announcements. Um,
2: Yeah, so uh, we are looking to make some more hires this year. Um, The next one up on the docket is a super important one for us that we're really excited about, and that is the production manager role. Um, So that should be live on Indeed in our careers page and stuff uh, by tonight. So um, if you're someone who has some management experience and you're looking to get in with a, you know, I'm not biased, but a pretty pretty dope company, then uh, hit us up. But, yeah, just be on the lookout for that if if you're looking for a new job or or maybe you just want to leave yours because, you know, we're much better than where you're at right now. But, yeah.
1: And last, we're giving away free fabric every Friday. Um, So, yeah, go to our Instagram and check out what we are going to give away and just stay in tune to see what's coming up.
0: So, we're talking to a real life sewing machine mechanic in part two of this episode. So, keep your eyes out for that. Um, but as for us, we're going to dive into our segment. Section one is about where to get a sewing machine or what to look for in your first sewing machine. We're referring to first time makers and new people to the DIY community. Um, so, Carter, could you give a brief overview of your sewing machine journey, where you've been, uh, and just tell us what your first
2: sewing machine was? Yeah, for sure. So I'll try to be brief, but there are a lot. My body count is high in reference to machines. Um, So the first machine ever that I sewed on was my wife, Ashley. Uh, Whenever I first wanted to make like my first thing was a stuff sack. She brought over her sewing machine and this thing was so shitty. It was like It was like for children or something. And it was like, I don't know, like a 10 by 10. It was tiny. Like it was the smallest thing ever. I'm surprised it even worked, but yeah, I sewed on that for a little bit, and eventually, like I just like any other hobby that I have, I just went crazy. Um, and I think after that, I started immediately started rebuilding and refurbishing uh, sewing machines. So I got like a Singer 301, a couple of those, um, and I uh, you know completely stripped them down and rebuilt them and uh refurbished them so I sewed on a 301 for quite a while um and then I also inherited a singer heavy duty that my grandma had my grandma was a seamstress for like I don't know like 60 years or something like that so she had some really cool stuff but someone had bought her like the the singer heavy duty that's in the that's in our marketing post that's the one that came from my grandma but she hated it because it was like, new and she only wanted to use ones from like 1954 so one day my mom just gave me this thing and it was like still in the box so that was cool um and then eventually so i did that for a while i bought and sold machines um and there's a lot in between there but i also maybe like three years ago i got a like a fully automated juki um that i have in my house
0: so to simplify first was a singer 301 then you got the singer heavy duty,
2: and now you've got a fully industrial Juki uh the beast right now. Is that correct? Is that a rough timeline? Yes, and then like maybe like six more machines that I have in my house.
0: Totally. Uh Avery, I think we all have pretty unique sewing journeys collectively. What does yours look like?
1: Yeah, so I started sewing in high school. They offered a sewing class and only 10 girls took it. And then we loved it so much. We made her do a sewing too. And we like petitioned the school and it was the best. It's, I sewed like curtains. I was started sewing my own clothes and like being the weird kid and wearing them to school. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not normal in 2000 and whatever, mid 2000s. And so then when I started sewing, my grandma was just like Thought it was super cute and wanted to support me. So she wasn't a sewer, but she bought me a Singer Prelude, um, which I've had for the past 10 years. And I actually just got rid of it, but I kept it with a friend. I sold it to her. So I feel like still attached to that machine. And then I recently bought, I still don't know how to say this. Is it Janome or janome
2: It's (gasps) Janome.
1: Well, I was very off. I got a Janome 3000 HD. um, that was on sale at... Joanne's or whatever and i picked it up and it's been good so far
2: be clear i'm not the the expert on how that's pronounced but that's how i've always heard it pronounced but also i'm from the mountains so there's a good chance that it's completely different than that <laughs> just be, just want to be straightforward
1: well that's why i thought it was a Genomi because i was just like making it sound all fancy uh, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> jameson what's your what's your story
2: <laughs> almost just made the worst dad joke ever <laughs> Like, you know me, don't you? Or like whatever, but I, okay, I'm glad I did. I still did it, but I, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so
0: my sewing machine journey, uh, I only started sewing in 2020. Uh, one of my friends had seen uh, Ripstop on the roll. He's trying to make his own ultralight backpacking tarp setup. Uh, and he was like, hey, dude, they're in Durham. you should apply. So that's how I ended up getting here. But when I saw that job, I was like, oh man, this is pretty sick. I would probably have to be a maker to be able to apply. Um, so I... Uh, my parents live several, like a thousand miles away or something. So I wasn't able to get a sewing machine from my mom, but I know she has extras, but my mother-in-law did have an extra machine. Um, so I first learned on that one. I don't even remember what it was. I only had it for a couple of months. And then my wife's boss at the time was moving to the United Kingdom and she was getting rid of a lot of her stuff. And she had a particularly nice, Brother machine that she was getting rid of that has uh like the extension table uh and it has like a hundred stitches, it can do embroidery work. It's insane. The machine is way smarter than I am, um, but it's really cool. It's the the brother Project Runway edition machine. Uh so things super rad. Even Carter so did a couple weeks ago, and he was kind of shocked that uh he was surprised at what it could do actually, which may definitely made me feel good. But I'm probably the least experienced. Um, but this one that I have now is probably my well is my first machine really, and is the one that I hope to have for a while that's kind of cool about all of these journeys is that everyone is pretty unique like from Avery you you learning from a a kind of a younger age than most of us evolving Carter you having gone through I don't know like 10 plus 15 machines over your entire career um, to this one on our own so for those of you that are looking uh, we get asked a lot like what's the best machine uh, to start with or what which machine should I be looking out for I would say that in general the best machine to have or to start out with is the one that you have access to Many machines are going to to run the capable stitches that you need to be a good DIYer in a lot of ways. Um, the what you need is is pretty basic. If you have a straight stitch and you have a zigzag zigzag stitch, you'll be able to cover the basics of of what you need to be a good DIYer. Um some mechanics and 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 some maintenance after they'll talk about a little bit will help you continue to use that machine but in general uh look for one used. look for one from a friend or family from estate sales you can look at goodwill and other places or like what avery did um, you can find them online at stores or in-person stores on sale as well Um, avery and carter do you have other advice avery specifically for where to find a machine for somebody starting out
1: Yeah, so when I was looking to upgrade my machine, I was between just spending like three to four hundred dollars and getting like a mid level machine, or like upgrading to that lower end thousand dollar price point. Um, And I started getting on forums. Reddit is a great place to just search in general sewing, um, and also Myog. People offer a lot of advice. But one thing that I found that is a great resource if you're looking. For an expensive machine on a budget um, is like online auctions, so people, factories who are getting rid of these machines, um, I'm sure you can easily have someone look it over, take it to your local shop, and these machines last like 30 plus years, so probably be good as long as it's maintenance. And if it was used for work, I'm sure it was. So you can get like killer deals on like online government (laughs) sales in online auctions, as weird as that sounds, but they do go quick and you can get a heck of a price on one too. So.
0: Yeah. Carter, what, is there anything else that you need to extrapolate on in terms of people looking for features of a machine that are looking to buy first time?
2: Yeah, sure. So the only thing I'll add is like, I've had, obviously I've done buying and selling of vintage machines for years. Um, And typically like Facebook marketplace and Craigslist has been the way to go for me. A lot of times people are, there are people that are also like trying to sell like a machine for like $600 because they put oil in it. Don't buy that shit. But a lot of times you can find people that have inherited things from estate sales or you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And you can pick up some really nice machines like the Singer 201, 301, 401, 403, 501. All of those machines are like, most of those are going to be like 70 years old right now. And they're my favorite machines. Like I wouldn't use anything else if I didn't have an industrial machine. They're just phenomenal. Um, as far as the stitches you need, you need a straight stitch for like 99% and then a zigzag stitch. That's it. You don't need like one of those stitches that like makes a flower like you're, yeah. you're not going to use that. So um, but yeah, those machines are awesome because they're just so dependable. They're all, everything inside of it is metal. Um, so like on newer machines, when things break, they have nylon gears. You can't, you just have to buy a new one. You can't do anything with that. The older ones though, you can replace those parts. You can work on those parts. Uh, like it's just, and those parts, because they're so popular and so many seamstresses and people still use them, you can find parts for them everywhere even though they're 70 years old you can go on eBay right now and if you type singer 301 it's going to populate a list of 10,000 results Um, the only other resource that I know of that's really good for just general stuff is there's a website I think it's called Nova Montgomery and they have like a ton of really awesome stuff for those vintage singers but we'll get into that a little bit more with the maintenance stuff
0: Cool. So section two, we uh, we're rolling along, keeping this episode a bit shorter today, uh, is how to care and, and take care of your machine after you already have one. So arguably one of the most popular questions we get with every fabric is what is the best needle to use uh, with this machine or what is the best needle to use with this fabric and, and things like that um, in general this is going to pertain to the weight of fabric. So we'll touch on that, uh, but also caring for your machine is super important to, to prolong the life of, of that machine and, and how it goes. Carter, do you have um, practices for your machines uh, that you do to keep them in tip top shape and to keep them working? Uh, and I know that you particularly own an older machine. So as it pertains to that one, but also for people that own uh, plastic, that's not a negative term, but a plastic newer machine, just the ways that they can prolong life and effect. Um, Performance of that machine.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so firstly, I would say that it's technically a negative term because I'm an elitist and those older machines are better. But if you have those, they're going to serve you for 30 years and it's totally fine. Basic operation here is number one, keep your keep your machine clean of just thread debris and stuff like that, like v- physically clean it. Um, we have a little Instagram spot today, we'll have some more stuff uh, in a blog later. But
1: I just have a personal question. How often, because I was also researching this, but how often should you be cleaning it and dusting it and doing that part of the process?
2: So I do the basic stuff uh, every time I sew. Like they're basic, like you might not be thinking about it in doing it. Like I'm not pulling out everything out of my machine and taking off the throat plate and stuff, but I'm visually inspecting it, looking at my needle, making sure it's not bent um, and that type of stuff, making sure my work area is clean every single time. Now, as far as like how many, how often I would, pull that stuff off and clean out the little fuzzies and all that stuff. I mean, maybe every two weeks, but I think it really depends on the amount of stitches that you're, that you're putting through that thing. Right? Like if you're, if you're Jameson and you're like making a backpack every single night for some reason, then you should be looking at that thing and replacing your needle and all that stuff much more frequently than if you're me in 2020, because I sewed like, well, the first part of 2020, I basically made nothing. Um, Second part I made a lot. But yeah, like I think that's really the 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 factor there is just however much use you're giving it up your maintenance schedule.
1: Okay. So just like maybe after every two or three projects, go in, duster out.
2: And it's a whole lot different from machines that um so I think there there are two like categories that we're talking about here. One of them is that you have the machine and it's already been serviced by yourself or a technician, and mm-hmm. what you have left to do is Recurring maintenance and that's what you're referring to but there's also a step of the maintenance process where if you've just bought an old machine right like we're talking about on Craigslist or you inherited one from your grandma, you're going to have to do more than that and like what you can find tons of YouTube videos on that. Um, You can also find the manuals for any of those old singers they're everywhere you can just you can buy it for like a dollar you can probably find it for free too. Um, but it will give you the original manual it will tell you all the spots that you need to clean and oil and grease and how to take the pieces off. Um, and when you get down to it, it's, they're very simple machines. But yeah. The, so you would have to do that one big thing one time. And I would recommend probably doing that like every, every year, like really pulling everything out and completely redoing it. But for the most part, I think two weeks to a month or something like that to just do a basic clean um, for my Juki it's it auto lubricates. So there's no like dropping oil in there. it has a pump that has an oil pan that sucks up oil and distributes it throughout the machine. But for other machines, if you're using one that needs oil, then just yeah, every every couple of weeks uh, or whenever you can tell that something's moving differently might also be a reason to.
0: I'd like to touch on something a little bit deeper that you uh, you also touched on there is uh, reading the manual and getting to know your machine. Um, for those of you that are have newly acquired a machine or maybe haven't dug in yet, um, watch videos, check out the manual. I know reading the manual is pretty boring, but knowing your machine. Um, will definitely help you use that machine better. Uh, have it be a little bit more efficient with how you use it. And you'll, you'll find a cleaner product in the end. If you know how that works.
2: Yeah. Actually I actually have a little story about this specific thing, right? So I've had this Juki now, which I love it. It's phenomenal. It does everything auto thread cut, everything that you can think of is great. Um, but for whatever reason, something happened whenever I was sewing, basically I was winding the bobbin and I forgot to take the actual bobbin out of the bobbin case. So the thread got wrapped around inside of the shuttle assembly, which is like where you put the bobbin case inside, on um, the thing that spins around like this. And can't see you, Carter. It's a podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, it spins around in a in a circular motion. Um, and I'm a dumbass. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. I just disappointed you. Um, so it spins around, and basically the thread popped out of the bobbin and like got stuck inside and just something bad happened. And it's like stopped working and it kept snapping my needle over and over and over again. So that means it it threw it out of timing. So if you don't know what timing is, it's, there's a hook that goes around in a circle and it meets up with the needle. I think it's called the scarf of the needle, which is a little cutout in the needle and it like takes the thread past it. So the timing is getting that hook centered on the little opening in the needle so it can take the thread away. Um, so if that gets off, then it won't make a stitch. It's not going to work. Um, so I spent hours and hours and hours trying to fix this. And I finally figured out that there was, sorry, I'm talking too much, but it's cause this was brutal. I was crying. I was so sad. I wasn't crying, but I definitely called Jameson like six times and was like, dude, I cannot figure this out. This is the worst thing. You're going to have to come over to my house. We're going to have to like get out our headlamps and get under this thing and figure out what's going on. But a part was broken. So I replaced the part. I replaced everything. I spent like, uh, $2. If you're listening, Ashley, more than that. Um, and I couldn't figure it out. So I finally, uh, called up a mechanic, a local mechanic.
0: Let me just clarify here. Uh, one Carter and I are in a bubble. So we, uh, we are the only people that we really see right now for COVID safety. Uh, also when Carter says he found a sewing machine mechanic, he told me to find him a mechanic or else we'll never
2: sew again. So I found this mechanic and referred it to Carter. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened. Um, Anyways, and they're very hard to find because no one works on industrial machines, really. Uh, And there's COVID. So you have to be like, I'd have like the person come into my house. So I was like really worried about that. But we were able to work that out through like tons of gloves and masks. And like, I have like automatic stuff in my house where he could kind of come into the door without having to touch anything. And it was fine. Um, But yeah, so basically, he wanted to just do take a look through everything. Cause I had replaced the part. I'd reset the timing myself and everything looked good, but it still wasn't, it, something just wasn't right. And so he just looks around and we talk for a long time and he's like, Oh, it's just cause you're sewing this really lightweight Dyneema. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not that I've sewn a lot on this. It's like, it's not that he pulls out the bobbin case and he looks at it and he like lets the thread drop to see, check the tension. And he's like, Oh, it's loose. I like, can tightens it. A little bit, and then pops it back in, and then sews, and it's perfect. And I'm just looking at myself in the reflection of the table, and my face is coming back at me, and I'm just like, "You fucking idiot!" Like, so, anyways, all that to say, if I would have just known, known that that was an issue, which it would have shown me in the manual, like to check the, for whatever reason, I just didn't think of that. That's such a simple thing. And I basically rebuilt the entire bottom half of my industrial machine and hired someone to come to my house. That's an expert to tighten something for one second with a mini screwdriver. Like that's, that's just why it's really, it's really good to become one with your machine because when you, when you know how to do those simple things and you know where they are um, from looking at your manual, then you don't have to do, you don't have to experience the trauma that I experienced.
0: Uh, I think everyone will be really thankful for your story, Carter. You probably save a lot of other people a lot of money. So, you know, there's value there. Um, Carter, you have pretty uh, specific opinions on needles as well. So with this being a super popular question, uh, tell us your go-to needles.
2: Yeah. So if I'm using a home machine, I always use, uh, Schmetz microtext needles. So the sharp, if you're using another needle brand, it's the sharp needle. Um, for everything besides uh, knits or like uh, stretchy stuff. I'll use a ballpoint, but most of the time I don't change it because I'm lazy. Um, Microtech sharps. And then from it, basically you have like this trio of things that are your fabric thickness and stiffness, your thread size and your needle size. And all of those are related. Um, so it's not it's not necessarily that if you had a smaller needle that you wouldn't be able to sew on something thicker, but in general, you like, you might need more punching power. Um, and those go hand in hand. So having a large needle means that you need a larger thread and vice versa. So if you try to take like a really small needle because you're using a small fabric, but then you have Guterman Mara 70 in there and a size seven needle, like you're not going to be able to fit it through the hole. It's going to cause issues. in general, just to
0: give uh, a general speaking for most people, most weights, fabrics and thickness. um, The Guterman Mara thread is a good size for pretty much anything that we sell. We sell a set of needles that are good for pretty much anything we sell as well. So you can be safe with those. Can you remind me of the, or everybody of the size of that needle in general, people are going to be using like 10 to 14 for pretty much all, most of our weights. Is that correct?
2: I would say, uh, really it's like uh, eight to 16. Um, we carry a 14 and a 16. We're definitely going to be expanding that. Some of the hires that we've made, uh, this year are going to allow us to, uh, really open up and bring on a lot of the products that Kyle and I have wanted to bring on for forever. It's just we haven't had enough time or enough, uh, good people to do it. So, uh, <laughs>
0: Um, So briefly, Avery, before we move on to the, the final section, uh, what are some things that you use to clean your machine? We see a lot of people using uh, various forms of household items and like cleanliness items. What do you use to clean your machine specifically?
1: Um, well, actually this whole topic made me think that like I probably should clean my machine. So <laughs> I tried to do that. I was like, oh, um, that's <laughs> something that I haven't done in six months, nine months. Um, oh, so I did try to do it. Actually, Amazon has like the little baby tiny screwdrivers and that was the money key to get the little, the plate off. Um, so I'm super excited and they were way smaller than I thought they'd be. So they were even cuter. Um, but I mean, definitely like a Q-tip. Dipped in some rubbing alcohol, I think helps using a little duster brush. I think um, from what I understand, it's most about getting like the dust off and then making sure that you like re lightly oil everything back um, when you're done cleaning it all out. So
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, A cloth, a rag, Q-tip, duster brush, all the things that Avery mentioned are totally good forms. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money to do this. Like this is not supposed to be something that uh, you have to invest in a whole lot. It's just uh, the investment is your time to make sure you wipe everything down and keep it clean. So don't worry about it too much. This week's blog will be on uh, cleaning your machine techniques and, and you can see other tools there. So Final section, section three, for those makers out there that are experienced and already have a machine are looking to go to the next level. Uh, Carter, you have two machines that you use for two very different purposes. Uh, briefly, can you share your second machine that you use and why you have that other one?
2: Uh, by the second one, do you mean the non-industrial? Yes. Uh, yeah, so I use a Singer 403. Um, and basically the reason that I have that is um, outside of the fact that I have an issue and I have too many is that it can do uh, a zigzag stitch. Basically it has different cams that you can put in the top that allow you to do different stitches. And um, yeah. So whenever you're sewing something that's stretchy in particular uh, you need to use a zigzag stitch because if you try to use a straight stitch on that and you pull on it, it's going to break the thread. Um, So yeah, that's why I have it is because whenever you're sewing the mesh part of a backpack or a waistband or something like that, uh, it's good to use the zigzag there. So yeah.
0: Totally. For people, so we talked to a lot of makers here. It's one of the best parts of the job. And a lot of people are still working with, with older machines and with single like at-home machines. At what point, Carter, did you bridge that gap to an industrial machine? And what are the perks of having that um, for somebody that's potentially bridging that gap? Because it, it is a pretty big investment and you can do pretty much anything with an at home machine like i can make a backpack with my machine but why would somebody look at potentially getting an industrial machine and what would be the perks of that
2: um so i wouldn't say that i'm the best barometer for switching over only because it's just my personality to whenever i am passionate about something to just dive into it to a level that's probably unsafe so i upgraded probably i it's still maybe in 2017 uh i started working here in may and probably by the end of the year i definitely had it um and so uh i would say that there are a few things number one the stitch is better like the the stitch quality and like the way that things are built and just like perfectly put where they're supposed to be is just better um it's more powerful it sews faster um, which is typically the limit of the home machine is that you get to a point whenever you're wanting to make things like for instance, maybe the hem on a hammock that's 11 feet long. And you're, you're, I think the, that heavy duty singer is actually like one of the fastest home machine stitchers. And it's still, I don't know, like 1200 stitches per minute or something like that. And my juke, you can do like 5,000 or something. So it's just, there's that. And again, there's also the, the presser foot clearance is really important. So when you're wanting to sew like, through foam or mesh or a lot of layers, uh, a home machine uh, only lifts up so high. So you can't fit in like if you're trying to make, let's say you're wanting to make like a climate shield quilt, it can be really difficult to try to fit that under the presser foot. Um, and then there are the, the convenience features that just make your sewing experience um, better and more seamless. And you have to worry less about what the machine's doing and more about your project, which I really like. So it's there are less distractions and things to go wrong. Um, for instance, Uh, one is that I basically never have to adjust anything. It's I said it once and it's pretty much good to go, but the other ones are, you know, auto thread cut. I don't recommend buying an industrial machine unless you buy one that has auto thread cut, because that, that alone is just like the greatest feature ever. It just saves you so much time. And yeah, that the convenience there is great. And then there's a knee lift or an auto presser foot lift where you can use both hands to Hold your fabric and your knee is the thing that actuates the presser foot, which is extremely nice and also very useful when you're doing highly technical projects to be able to have both hands to hold stuff down. Um, Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, And plus you just look really cool when people come to your house for a dinner party and you just have a big ass sewing machine upstairs and everybody thinks you're running a sweatshop. It's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing from us is that if you're looking to upgrade, get a second machine, or get a better machine, um, uh, either find a machine that's really specific or something you're looking at doing, something that's really good at a straight stitch and something that's really good at a zigzag stitch stitch. Or if you're able to upgrade to the industrial, I can say from first-hand experience working with a, a plastic at-home machine. About 80% of the time and then 20% of the time on cartridge machine, the industrial machine is so much faster. You can get through projects much, much quicker without having to thread cut and without having to measure the uh, dual hand ability. Those are huge. So they are much faster, but obviously you're paying a price for that. Cool. So again, we decided to take this episode and be a little bit of mini We want to test out uh, varying content lengths, but don't forget, there's a part two of this episode coming where we are going to talk with a professional sewing machine mechanic. So it'll be a good time. So thanks for listening. Uh, We appreciate it. Let us know if you like it shorter, if you like the podcast longer, let us know what you want to hear. Uh, This podcast is for the makers. We do this for you because we want to give you highly valuable content. So let us know.
2: And as always, don't forget to give us a preferably a five-star rating and uh, give us any feedback that that you might have and uh, subscribe where applicable and we love you. And but uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks,
1: everyone. And just make sure you go check out Instagram every Friday. Yes, every single Friday, we're giving away free fabric. It wasn't just a one-time deal. So go over and check that out and see how you can win some free fabric.
0: And if you like the podcast, there's a good chance you probably like our other content. We put out videos, blogs, graphics, and things every single week. So go check us out on Instagram, on YouTube, and you can see other ways of learning about sewing machines and everything else that we do here at Ripside of the Roll.